Greetings, everyone. You're listening to KYRS Medical Expo Ken, 88.1, 92.3 FM. And this is Art Hour. I'm your host, Mike Malsom. And I'm your other host, Eric Woodard. So we have as our guest and our first guest for this new year, uh, 2020, is Rita I always say The Hill, but it's Rita The Hill or Vigil. I don't know. Thank you so much for pronouncing it correctly. Yes, it is V Hill, the, but you can say Vigil as well. Yeah. And uh, her uh, uh, partner in crime, Amanda Mead, and I say partner in crime because um, Amanda and Rita um, have a little bit of uh, fame here as podcasters of I Don't <laughs> Know Her, uh, which I discovered through the Inlander, I think, a little while back. But um, it's a great podcast, and it's a great premise um, about primarily women um, who are doing these amazing things, but yet people don't really know them. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So anyway, uh, Rita or Amanda, you can start, but just kind of how did you guys get started in this? Well, um, it was actually, Amanda actually approached me with the idea first. Um, <clears throat> she's a avid podcast listener, and totally. I actually am not. And she came to me with this idea, and I said, okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, but you have to be committed. Like, I'm serious about this. I was like, you need to think about it, because don't don't say, yeah, sure. And then... Because I was like, I know I want to do it every week. It's going to be like produced. Like we're going to try to make it monetized eventually. So I wanted her to really be on board. <laughs> and she was she was actually really great about it. She was like, you know what? I think this is exactly the kind of project. And what I was the idea? Do. How did you sell it to yeah. her? Um, I well, I had told her I want to do a podcast about women that pe- people haven't necessarily heard of that they probably should have. And I wanted to call it I don't know her, which is actually based on a really popular gif and meme on the internet with mariah carey when somebody asked her about j-lo like a long time ago and <laughs> oh, she was like i don't, I don't know, know her, her. <laughs> <laughs> so we we use that um as the premise because for real i don't know any of the women that we're talking about until we start talking about them but i, I was just gonna say but um did that idea how did that idea pop in your head as far as this is really where i want to go with this podcast um i have been a feminist for a long time. I'm actually wearing a feminist shirt. I didn't even mean to. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But I have been a feminist for a long time and I spent a lot of time on my own and sometimes taking classes in college, like just trying to learn um, writers, creators, artists, what have you. But I found that suddenly a name would pop up somewhere and I'd be like, I don't know who that is. How come I don't know that person? Like that, that's a really big person in the world like Francis Perkins was one that I did that story blew my mind I did not know who that person was and she was the architect of all of our social systems social security uh, Medicaid Medicare she was the architect of all of that I didn't know that yeah I I was upset that I had not (laughs) heard her name like basically uh the new deal all of the social programs she created those Oh, and um, extensive research she really dove in and created something that still touches all of us today and that's one thing that i find really fascinating is when those threads are still present geez well i just you know uh turned 65 so what's her name amanda perkins francis francis per- thank you yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> social security <laughs> wow so how did uh how did you why was rita the right person for this uh as your partner 
I wanted Rita to do it with me because um, we have great banter. We have fabulous banter. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And we, we have easy conversation. I wanted it to be with somebody that we could just sit down and talk and it would be interesting on its own without having to force it or have everything be scripted all the time. Mm-hmm. You guys have been friends for a long time? We've been friends for probably about six years now, yeah. I think, six or seven years. And that was one thing, too, is um, me and Amanda would always end up at a table somewhere or on a couch somewhere deep in conversation because it was, we do find a lot of things to talk about. Okay, so do you guys, now, did I read where you guys worked together at one time, or there was another place where you, that put you in the same location (laughs) to have these conversations? I actually worked with Amanda's wife. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so they they were employee number one, and (laughs) my wife was employee number two at Iron Goat Brewing. Oh, wow. Ah. Yeah, and um, so I, I was friends with Abby first and then we had a company Christmas party and I met Amanda we started hanging out socially and um, they are two of my best friends in the whole world and it's it's been a wild ride it's been fun (laughs) yeah and Abby was really jealous (laughs) (laughs) she definitely told me she's like but but you're my friend Oh, man, so what in your background made you want to start this podcast? I mean, it, did you have anything in broadcasting? Did you, had you studied history? Or was it just sort of the idea of feminism? My uh, aunt owned our small town's radio station. What small town? Plentywood, Montana. Oh, wow. wow. <laughs> Never <laughs> so heard of it, but what a great name. It's the, on the Canadian and North Dakota borders. Okay. It's as far away as you can get and still be in the United States. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Barely. Uh, I mean, you, we drove eight miles and we would be in Canada like it's really close and so she owned the local radio station well she started working in the local radio station and so did my mom my mom was the marketing director and so when I was a little kid that's where I went after school every day and um, when I was like six or seven my mom you know she sold ads that's what she did so one time she was like, oh, there's this really popular doll that's going to be coming out. And one of our local stores was going to be carrying the doll. And she was like, wouldn't it be cool if Amanda did a commercial for this doll? And it's a, <laughs> really a commercial for the store. And that was my first time being on the radio. And after that, I was like, I want to do this forever. <laughs> oh, right. So what, what more radio did you do after that? How, what's the line between that moment and starting this podcast? Um, I mostly didn't do much with my voice. I did help out in in the control room occasionally when my aunt would let me in. (laughs) And then in college, I did do a couple of things on the community um, radio station that we had on college campus at MMSU, Montana State University. So that was just a little bit. And then as soon as podcasts kind of came about, it was uh, This American Life, Mm -hmm. which really made me go, oh my God, I didn't know you could do this. Mm -hmm. Like, I love this storytelling, but it's still got some casualness to it and especially like some of the more casual podcasts that are around now i mean i don't listen to joe rogan's show but like he's the definition of flying by the seat of his pants (laughs) and i like that idea too so rita now that you and you probably came in just because you've made this connection with amanda what have you discovered about your um this this vehicle as a podcasting in terms of like Um, it's something that I never 
never thought I would get into. And when Amanda said that when she approached me, she's like, you better be committed. That is very true. I, I know Amanda very well. And so I know that when she says something, she means it. And so I didn't want to say yes, unless it was going to be an actual yes. And I feel like um, every person, everyday people can have a platform. And I think in some way you should. And so I said yes to this project because it was a little, little, piece that I could get of myself and my views out there. Mm-hmm. Okay. So uh, earlier you mentioned about Francis Perkins. Perkins. Uh, now that was a surprise to you. Mm-hmm. I'm, so not necessarily in the context of the content, but uh, since you've, uh, you, this is your one year anniversary of your podcast yes. today, today, correct? Yeah. Happy anniversary. Happy anniversary. Yeah. What has been, not necessarily content wise, but just creating this, what has been the most surprising part for both of you? What, what, is, the, what is the part that you just didn't expect? Or, or maybe even sometimes I ask the question, like, what's been the most difficult part? But that makes it seem like a negative thing. Mm-hmm. But what, what came out in this last year that was kind of surprising to you? Um, for me personally, it was um, how many things I didn't actually know about Amanda. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was yeah. just going to say the same thing. <laughs> how much it has enriched our friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, just like the, the things that will come up. Like I had no idea that Rita had this really great passion and love for architecture mm. until we started mm. this. And that she used to like sit down and study her dad's drawings. I had no idea. Amanda has some of the best, weirdest stories from her childhood. <laughs> she was like, oh, yeah, my school burned to the ground and I had to go to class in a roller rink. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's what I'm like. OK, hold up. <laughs> yeah, I think that's been the just the coolest part. I would say difficulty wise, like being committed to something and putting a lot of time and effort into something that you don't get any help with or money for or whatever that's extremely difficult to continue to justify doing mm-hmm. but you know I, I think this year will be a different year for us well and that leads me back yeah. into mm-hmm. something you said earlier you said you wanted it to be produced mm-hmm. what exactly do you mean by a produced podcast has anybody been around podcasts that are terrible yes yeah <laughs> but what does that mean to you though i mean what, I, like, what what does it sound like what does it look like i wanted it to sound good mm-hmm. i didn't want people to put their headphones in and be like well i'm gonna listen to the 10 minutes of this and then be done mm-hmm. doesn't matter how good your premise is or how great your research is or how well your banter goes between you and your co-host if what you sound like is that you're speaking inside of a tin can so mm-hmm. I really wanted to invest in good quality equipment and the first the first couple of episodes I edited myself and that was really time consuming and because I am like so intent on it sounding really good that I I think I spent too much time on it <laughs> and I decided that was something I should not do and so I actually got a friend who's a musician and does sound for some local venues and stuff. I said, will you do this for me? And so I pay him out of pocket (laughs) to edit our podcast for us and make sure that it sounds really good. And he does a great job. And this year, I think it's time for an equipment upgrade so we can sound even better. I was actually looking for mic stands (laughs) today. (laughs) Yeah, we have a mic stand that's very similar to this one, the spring-loaded one that she speaks on, but I got it for like $10 on Amazon, and you can hear every single thing. (laughs) (laughs) So so now that it's been produced, now that you've done it for Mm -hmm. a year, what has been your interaction with people who listen to the show? I mean, how kind of characterize that, maybe some interesting interactions you've had with people? Most people have been really, really great about it, like, 
have been super yeah. supportive and very excited. Um, it's always really shocking when someone I don't know comes up to me and is like, I listened to your podcast. Yeah, that was really weird. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you feel just suddenly like, wait, real people listen to it right. besides the people in my life? This yeah. is weird. Well, that's it's funny because um, Eric and I, when we started this, we kind of set some goals and lofty goals. And one of them was, all I want is somebody off the street, you know, that, that just comes up unsolicited. Hey, I want to be on Art Hour. That's what we wanted. Guess who came up to me? <laughs> um, and so for sure I was going to get Amanda and Reed on there because they actually said, I want to get on Art Hour. I thought that was pretty cool anyway. But One of the craziest things was, um, which we were not expecting either, uh, we were featured in the Inlander here, um, which is a local paper here in Spokane. And we were on the cover. Yeah, we didn't mm. know until we, it came out. We did oh. not know that that was going to happen. And I had a friend text me and send me a picture of the Inlander. And I was like, what <laughs> is that? And I was in the grocery store and this lady's like holding the Inlander and she has her face, our faces in her hand. And uh, she like looks at it and looks at me and I like, just gave a thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> that happened to me in Iron Goat. Uh, like my... I have an adopted mom here in Spokane because I'm not from here. And she was like holding it up in the air and she was like, look, everybody, I'm with the person on the cover. And then people were like, oh, cool. And they wanted to come up and meet me. I was like, oh, this is weird. (laughs) So um, talking about the production, but there's all the things that go into it. Obviously, the research is a big piece of that. Mm -hmm, And as we were talking earlier, you're you're a librarian now Mm -hmm. and working that. Um, I'm sure that's got a obviously help with the research and and then Rita have you learned anything from Amanda on best ways to get material and stuff like that um one thing that I've learned from Amanda is about the delivery of the research um the first couple episodes I felt like I was just reading I I could have been reading a cookbook Mm. just like ingredients off of a page Mm -hmm. and instead um it's really turned into the storytelling and Mm. giving a a more warmer approach to how I deliver the information Mm. Yeah. And what do you think is the most important part about making the podcast come off like like a story? I think that it's really about getting to know the topic. Like our women, I want to know who this woman was backwards and forwards so that if somebody asked me an offhand question, which we often ask each other, that I know, but I didn't put in my notes, at least I'll be able to answer it because mm-hmm. I know this person's life. And I can tell it in a way that is engaging and includes the highlights, but not necessarily every single piece of their story. Mm. And I think that's, and I will give Rita so much credit for this because I'm a writer and that's what I do. And so I am always like so excited when I ask her a question because I, I, we don't plan those just like Mm. lots of people. It's kind of you know you want to be natural so i'll ask her a question that's like and well what is that thing and she'll be like well actually so yeah go ahead you go i was just gonna say so rita you're you're coming into this like 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 a newbie in mm-hmm. in a lot of ways but now you've kind of evolved into a storyteller a researcher um you know amanda you said you've learned a lot about her through this whole process mm-hmm. you know um, so I was just thinking now, because you come from an artistic family, and you're also married to somebody that's very artistic and I talented. Am, yes. Has that helped in a lot of ways in terms of how you approach this? 
It it has, and actually, so my family um, is very musical. My father's a musician, and I, I'm actually a musician myself. And my husband's a musician and a, a fantastic artist. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm an artist as well. Um, being a musician, it kind of it it makes me not afraid of the microphone. So that was one thing I felt like I could bring into this is like I I wasn't that nervous. Um, our actually, I take that back. Our very first episode was <laughs> awful, awful, <laughs> because it was just I wanted to do. I just wanted to do a good job so bad, mm-hmm. especially for Amanda, because Amanda, um, she brings out in me like a drive to to do better, and so I wanted to do good so bad that first get go, and was, she just turned the uh, turned off the computer and was like, "Let's stop because this is <laughs> not going." <good." laughs> oh man, so. So kind of like Eric and I talk about this a lot, um, um, how we've kind of evolved and sort of kind of find a little bit of a, it's like writing, I suppose, you find your own voice. Mm-hmm. And I think you you kind of do that when you work as a as partners. What, what Where do you think the podcast is gravitating towards in terms of finding your own voice? Because I think both, both your personalities meld really well together. Thank you. I think we're... Um I think the cool thing about it is that we are learning so much about each other that I don't know of another podcast really that's doing what we're doing, which is not just telling the stories of historical important women, but also finding out more about each other. And we do that through cultural critique. We're looking at like every time we sit down to record, we go, what should we talk about first? And, and we never know. We don't plan that part. Mm -hmm. We always just come up with a topic to sort of riff on for a few minutes and then we get into our storytelling. And because we do it that way, we learn so much about each other that we wouldn't have otherwise because that's not the way we normally have conversations with our (laughs) friends. We don't sit down around at a brewery with a beer in our hand and go, let's talk about what happened with Harvey Weinstein this week, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know? And so that's been, and so I think as we're going forward, I really want to try to sell that idea like yes there are other podcasts out there that are doing historical women but i don't they're not doing what we're doing which is also cultural critique friendship like there's just not a lot out there about what female friendship looks like Mm -hmm. so cultural critique so has the women you've um um podcasted on and done the research on actually caused you to think and actually change your thinking regarding cultural types of issues absolutely and does that and how does that come out in your podcast one thing that I noticed is uh, when I first started picking women to research and bring to the table I was picking women that had done extraordinary things but there was there was some where I would stop because their their storyline got a little uncomfortable it got a little messy and I was like, well, do I really want to do this? And I was like, well, that's that's real life. Real mm-hmm. life gets messy. Real life is not perfect. People are human and things happen that way. So it made me kind of not be afraid to tell the real story and not just leave, you know, those ucky bits out. And yeah. did it yeah. change? I mean, he asked how it changed your podcast. Has, has doing the podcast, I mean, I know it yeah. changed your friendship, but did it change you in any way? Yeah. I definitely, I definitely for myself feel like um, I've always had a difficult time with female relationships Mm. and it's really made me take a look and put a mirror up to my own face and realize uh, what led to that experiences as a child, experiences as a young girl 
And a lot of women nowadays villainize each other and they'll pity, pit each other against each other. And that's not fair because we already have so much already against us. It's like we don't need to be, you know, putting the dirt on ourselves as well. And I really realized how in my life, how I was doing that and how not to do that. Mm-hmm. I think it's made me bolder, um, more ambitious, which I'm already kind of... Uh, She's an ambitious person. <laughs> now, more ambitious than in what way? Um, uh, this was the year that I also finished my manuscript for my novel. Oh, right on. Oh. Congrats. Um, yeah. Okay. yeah. Well, the, at least a draft, full draft of it. It's not anywhere near where I would want anybody to read it yet. <laughs> I mean, not like anybody in my close circle, but um, it made me just feel like if these women can do this, this thing where their obstacles were much higher and larger mm-hmm. than mine, I can do this and I can... I can do it because I will make myself do it. And that's been really helpful to me to have these inspirational people and sometimes problematic people Mm -hmm. to look up to because I sometimes get in that like spinning spot where I think, well, well, you know, I've never been perfect. No one's going to look up to me Mm. because I've never been this inspirational person. But I think the more I do this, the more I realize like no one is. (laughs) <laughs> Everybody has something that they did or said wrong. So uh, in terms of um, span of time, kind of what, how far back did your women go in terms of like um, have you in 18th century, 19th century? Like how far back was like your the trajectory kind of where it started and how it's gone to now, like Civil War maybe to to this point in We've time. We've gone, I mean, I've, I've done one from the 1700s all the way to, I featured a girl who's 24 years old at the moment. Hmm. Yeah, we do, we do try to um, cover not just Americans and not just uh, ancient history or like something from a long time ago. We try to do the gamut. In fact, when we did a poll for our, our audience, before we started the second season we said what would you like to see more of and the like three or four different people had said that they wanted to see us do women who were current or or at least had been born closer to now so that they could like you know get some little more relatable models Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and i do want to ask a little bit more about the show like how it goes from the very beginning of the planning stages all the way through to the execution but we need to take a little break this is kyrs medical lake spokane 88.1 92.3 fm Uh, maybe get a little word from our underwriter right now all righty art hour receives support from south perry pizza featuring rotating local artists and serving hand-tossed artisan pizza beer and wine at 1011 South Perry Street and online at southperrypizzaspokane.com. And I'd also, uh, after saying thank you to our underwriter, I'd like to ask you to listen in on Sundays to Jukebox Jenny. Hang out with me, Jukebox Jenny, on Sundays from 6 to 8 p.m. to hear America's very own music, The Blues. Let me help you shake the trouble out with a mix of funk, R&B, and blues from Delta to Chicago. You'll hear... Don't forget to shake your rump, too. It's a cocktail that will soothe the soul. 
Working Women's Blues, Sunday nights, 6 to 8 p.m., right here on KYRS. You can support KYRS by drinking delicious coffee. Every first Monday of the month, KYRS gets 10% of the proceeds at Cafe Afogado. Cafe Afogado is located at 19 West Main in Spokane. Information at 868-0011. And Art Hour relies on support from listeners like you. Just $3 a month keeps KYRS going strong, and you can help by texting Give KYRS to 44321. Right on. Yeah. And so the question I kind of want to ask, and I think I, I kind of want a, a really detailed answer, but I just think one of the questions that I th- I'm sure you ask, where do you get your ideas? Which is like, that's just <laughs> such a big question. So like the last show that you did, what was the last show that you did? How did you decide on um, profiling this person or people? Um, you know, what, what does the research look like? Take us from the very beginning before you even thought of this current show to having it done. Um, the one that's coming out tomorrow morning, uh, I am talking about Eugène Brazier. <laughs> I practiced that so much. Uh, she was a French woman who became the first chef to ever receive six Michelin stars. Um, and another chef did that in 1996, which was s- more than 60 years after her. And at the time, everybody had forgotten she ever existed. And they gave him all the credit that he was the first person to get it, and they had to print all these retractions. Um, So how did you find out about this person? So the reason I decided to do her was because I have never been much of a cook. I just haven't really gotten into that myself. I think part of it was my own rebellion against traditional roles or what have you. Um, Even though I don't necessarily buy into that now, I think initially as a 20-something, that's why I was like, no, it's not for me. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But I've recently... Uh, been finding that working with my hands is really great for dealing with anxiety. And one of the things I've been doing a lot when I'm home is cooking things, especially since I can no longer have gluten. It's been sort of a challenge for us to find ways that I can eat the things I like (laughs) without, uh, you know, I want to have them. So like this weekend I made uh, gluten-free English muffins, gluten-free naan, and marinated all this chicken and I just did all this stuff and it got me to thinking like I wonder who the first woman was who was a professional chef so that's the first thing I looked for and finding the first professional chef was not that was pretty difficult because who knows but what came up more often was when I searched that idea was this woman Eugenie Brazier who was basically the mother of French cooking that we know of today the stuff you see, even if you walked into Gander and Ryegrass downtown, the dishes on that menu are going to be based on a lot of what she created. And I that so that's where I start, is I usually start with some kind of like little nugget in my brain. I search up the thing I'm thinking about. I pick out, like I just, usually I open up like six or seven tabs of different women and I read like the a first paragraph about, <laughs> and then I think, could I could I rip on that a lot? Do I want to keep going with this? Mm-hmm. And then and then I pick out the one. So now, are you always the one to do this, or do you kind of split that Oh, we that both duty? do this. Okay. We both do this, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how she starts hers. That's how I start yeah. mine. Mine's kind of similar to Amanda's, is like that little spark of just, I wonder who. I wonder who did this. I wonder what her name is. Uh, the lady that I'm talking about on our episode tomorrow, is her name is Masako, 
and she is called the First Lady of Billiards. She's actually from Japan, and it was around the 1930s and 1940s where she was the mm. first woman to be invited in a world's championship uh, billiards competition. And I was actually hanging out with my son. My, my husband was playing music, and we were playing darts. And my son doesn't really know how to play darts. He does very well playing with grown-ups, and he was kicking some booty and I was like wow you're like really good and he he likes to play pool and my family is a, a big uh, pool playing family so then that just hit me I was like well I wonder if there was like a female champion or anything like that hmm. and then I find this woman and it was back in the 30s I had no idea and she was from Japan <laughs> mm -hmm. wow so um since this is kind of like art hour and we're trying to there is a connection here a little bit because you just talked about uh a chef, a very you know, a very uh, renowned chef or re renowned now maybe, but and then billiards. There's there's this, there's a process that as you're doing the research, you must f learn a little bit about the process that made these people great or be able to accomplish the things they accomplished, like that. So like, I'm what what did you pick out of the these two recent people that you did that in terms of process so that might inspire somebody or what would make them unique in that realm. I think with Eugene, one of the things I found super fascinating about her was that she was an orphan by the time she was 10, which I think it sets you up for basically two kinds of paths. You're going to go downhill or uphill. You don't really have a middle ground. And I always, I'm always fascinated by who, why, like what is within that person that drives them forward when they really don't have a lot of reason to move forward and she was like an unwed pregnant mother at 19 I mean t to then become a six-star Michelin chef in France and create a new cuisine and have the prime minister visit your sh your restaurant that's impressive and I'm so personally I'm always looking for those kinds of stories where someone had a lot stacked against them and rose up anyway mm. not that there aren't stories of privileged people who are really interesting as well. But we but we like to cover, I think, especially now, more complicated women. Mm -hmm. Last week's episode, I talked about Yayoi Kusama, who's my favorite fine artist. Um, she's actually currently the most successful living artist in the world. And a lot of people don't necessarily know her by name, although currently more so than ever before because of Instagram. Mm -hmm. Because her her work is very photo worthy uh, she creates these installations um, like mirrored rooms with lights or dots or things like that and her her work is extremely vibrant it's very hands-on like you should touch it you should go into it and uh, that's what's made her so popular now but when she was first coming around almost every one of her major breakthroughs that she made were stolen by men ar male artists at the time who then went on to become much more famous and much more successful, like Andy Warhol, who stole her idea of the wallpaper, and then he became famous for it. Hmm. And that, that kind of stuff is also drives me to want to like... To highlight these Yeah, women. I want to shine yeah. a spotlight on this. Mm -hmm. So let's... Oh, go ahead. You go. You were yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, and that is um, a very common thread in a lot of these women's stories is they are undermined, they are undervalued, they are hidden, um, purposely erased. And uh, this has been a joy for me, and I, I know for Amanda, too, to give these women um, a spotlight, mm -hmm. which they deserve. Okay, so, so you have your tabs up 
both of you. You <laughs> have the, you have the chef <laughs> and the billiard player. Yep. Uh, then you have to do the research, uh, mm-hmm. and then do you start writing? Do you do you bring this to the person before to to each other no. before? No. Or it's a it's we a surprise. One hundred percent. Okay. Um, do not know who we are bringing to the table. So, like Amanda says, we'll banter for a little bit, and then who do you have today? She'll say the name. And, I don't know her. Okay. And then we go from there. And how much of that uh, that is written? And how much of that is just kind of... uh, I I guess the question that I have is, so you have the idea, how much do you write? I usually start with uh, where they're born, uh, their family. Um, I did a... I highlighted Althea Gibson, who she's an amazing African-American athlete. Mm -hmm. Um, I had no idea that she had a very troublesome, very abusive childhood. And she overcame. I mean, she had to move out by the time she was 14 years old and she was on her own. Um, I had no idea about that. I just knew, wow, look at her. She's winning trophies. You see that bright, shiny spot, but you don't see all those mm-hmm. under underlying layers. Mm-hmm. My scripts are like six pages long. Usually, typically, <laughs> I'd say they're probably about five, six pages long that we have of information. Yeah. And we, we come with pretty fleshed out scripts. I mean, I, we don't like, I don't script every word I say, but... It's pretty well on there, um, and I, I always read it out loud um, to myself before and make I do the same changes thing. and corrections mm-hmm. before we ever get together. But it's really important, I, at least for the premise of our show, um, that we don't know who the other mm. person is doing until they arrive. And there's always the chance that she might know the person I'm going to talk about. And I actually did know who Althea Gibson was. So that was that she talked about Althea Gibson, and then there was one other. Oh, it was. Um, Jeanette, Jeanette Rankin, Rankin. <laughs> and the only reason I knew who she was is because I grew up in Montana and so therefore of course I knew who she was because she's like one of her few very big claims to fame she was the very first woman ever to be elected to Congress and she was from Montana and she also voted against World War II and those were the only things I knew about her and so I thought I knew the whole story <laughs> and then when she started and talked about her whole life and also I had no idea that Jeanette Rankin was actually a lesbian and when I found that out, I was mad. <laughs> <laughs> I was really upset that I grew up in this state and I had no queer role models to look up to. I thought I thought I was the only lesbian in the damn state. <laughs> and then to find out that the most famous person to have ever come out of our state was queer was really, really hard for me to take, but also extremely gratifying. <laughs> I was like, oh, I really wasn't <laughs> alone. Even though <laughs> so, and you both talked about, you talked about, uh, Rita, starting kind of chronologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you talked a little earlier, Amanda, about how you um, started thinking about the storytelling. Do you tr- do it a little bit less chronologically? Are you thinking more narratively, maybe nonlinear? Or uh, do you tend to do, tell stories in a similar fashion? Do you play I, fast and loose with it? or We tend to tell them the same way, like from the beginning to the end, okay. because it is a story. Although I have thought about like starting in the middle and then working backwards. <laughs> but I think that that's... Um, we kind of already do that in that I'll say like, I'm going to talk about Yayoi Kusama and she'll say, I don't know her. And then I say, well, she's the most successful living artist in the world. Well, we've already kind of started at the sure. end mm-hmm. and then we go back. Mm. So, um, when I'm actually doing my research though, one of the, my methods that I found really helpful because this is just how I've always done research is I read everything first. I read every single article. I watch all of the YouTube videos. Notes. I don't take a single sure. note. And I put it all in my head and I think about what I already see as the story emerging. And then I go through and I write it. And I'll, and I'll keep all of the tabs open so I keep one 
side of my screen is where my notes are and the other side is where all my tabs are and then I switch between the tabs because I'll think oh god I feel like I remember there was something about a bomb shelter where was that part at and I'll have to go back (laughs) and use like the control f find button to like find the thing I'm looking for to figure out if I was just making it up or if it was really in one of my sources and that's why when it comes to the end we always we always cite our sources that we've used Mm. um I don't do footnotes while I'm writing because generally what I've done is I've you know, I've taken all of it and it's turned into a big Play-Doh ball in my head. So it's really hard for me to piecemeal out where I got this and where I got that. So I just say, this is where I got all of Everything. my information. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that is important to list our resources because we want to acknowledge those people too. Yeah, mm-hmm. there's There have been, I mean, I'm sure you guys have heard about them. There have been some pretty popular podcasts who've gotten in some pretty hot water lately because they have been basically plagiarizing reporters work especially this is this is pretty common in true crime podcasts Mm -hmm. because everybody wants to do true crime podcasts because they make a lot of money and they're easy to do Mm -hmm. all you have to do is you know look up wikipedia and then you can tell a story but that's it's really um it can get really dicey if you're not (laughs) if you're not doing it right Mm. and if you're not really doing your research and uh, honestly i think some of the people that are trying to do true crime podcasts are they don't have any journalist credentials and they're trying to act like journalists and there's the, the ethics there. That's really not great. Seems like we're definitely in peak podcast right now. Absolutely. Everybody's getting yeah. one and, and yeah, the quality can be very different. Uh, so Rita, do you follow the same process or I how, do what's your actually. process like? So I'll, I'll, I'll usually go through a few ladies because I have a list of ladies that have sparked my interest. And so I'll, I'll refer to the list and choose a woman and I'll go, I'll do the same thing. I'll hit different articles. I'll hit different, um, uh, some podcasts and things like that. And listen, I'll listen to podcasts while I'm reading articles and stuff. And I'll get, what? Of, yeah. How can you do that? I don't know how I do wow. that at the same time. I'm so jealous. <laughs> I can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll, I'll finish the story from beginning to end and go through a lot of stuff. And I'll, and I noticed too, that a lot of information is worded the same. So I feel like maybe it's shared a little bit yeah you know that they all got it from one place Mm -hmm. but you find like once in a blue moon you'll find this really weird article that has this really personal little tasty bit of this person so it is worth doing the research and my research usually takes about in total probably six to seven hours per show per person yeah Mm -hmm. yeah it's it's pretty extensive the amount of time you put into it and that's and i wanted it that way i mean obviously like you don't i i personally would not feel good about putting out um, a story about somebody that isn't well researched and isn't well done and our hard work has paid off more than once the granddaughter of one of our subjects contacted us oh wow and we hope to feature her on our oh that's cool in 2020 yeah. so keep listening for her so did you oh, go oh, ahead you, i was well, just gonna say um did you ever come across somebody though that as you're doing the research kind of maybe just brought you to tears or um made such an impact that it really did affect you in some way made in in a small way mm-hmm. even maybe made you a, a different person or you gr- you grew in a different way because of that yeah i have mm. two for sure well probably three um junko tabe who was the first woman to summit mount everest she was this tiny little japanese woman who <laughs> was climbing with men and was like often told not to climb and then when she was able to actually do it, she had a women's climbing group and they had to make their own stuff out of like, 
they had to sew their own stuff. They sewed their own backpacks and all of, you know, all of the stuff you think about like gear that you would need to survive. And, uh, her story of just like pushing and pushing and pushing. And once she had summited Mount Everest, she was like, cool. Now I need to go do all of the highest peaks on all of the continents, which she did. And then she was like, now I'm going to do all of the highest peaks in every country. And she almost got that, but then mm. she was diagnosed with cancer and, and she passed away. Oh, man. But I like just that continuous drive of like, okay, I, I got to my, my goal, but now I need a new goal. I loved that. Um, Grandma Gatewood, she was the first woman to complete the Appalachian Trail. And she set out in a pair of Keds. <laughs> and no experience no backpack no supplies no nothing that should uh, be a great metaphor for all art just <laughs> all you need is a pair of kids all you need are kids you, you know <laughs> don't wait if just, you're listening kids we would love a sponsorship just go yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh, and man. then um, from this season I really loved doing Maya Lin she was the architect who designed the Vietnam Vet- Veterans mm. Memorial in Washington D.C., which I'd seen, didn't know it was done by a woman, didn't know that she was 21 at the time. Mm. And um, when it was discovered, when her name was, so they did like an anonymous uh, contest basically, and her design was chosen by the the group, the organization. And when she was announced as the winner, the anti-Asian backlash was intense. And I actually, that this was our first episode of the second season, and it was also when we decided to start including, uh, if we could, wherever possible, clips from or from the person that we're talking about or about that person. Mm. And so um, there was a clip where uh, there was this, like, news conference, basically, where these Vietnam veterans were coming in to talk about why this should be redone and she shouldn't be allowed to be the winner. And she's in the audience, and again, 21 years old, just like this baby girl. <laughs> and this man is shouting and screaming, and she had to just sit there and listen to that. And the kinds of cartoons, like political cartoons that were published in the papers, it was extremely misogynistic, extremely racist. And then I get to the end of her story and find out that obviously she went on to do great things, but she created... Um, a really cool thing here in Washington state, uh, the confluence project. Uh, it's, uh, when they were doing the centennial bicentennial celebration of Lewis and Clark, Mm. uh, the tribes had kind of been left off, uh, and like the, the damage that had been done. And so, uh, they decided to do this thing called the confluence project. And she created these monuments all along the route that, um, were monuments to the species that have been, decimated or ruined from western expansion and also that honored the tribes and so you can go see those right here in our state Hmm. cool cool. now you mentioned seasons this is your first anniversary but you're in your second season yeah we we decided to do um, a 25 episode first season and take a little break i think this season will be longer because we have been doing it now since august last year we started in january so the 25th ended in June <laughs> and we, we needed a summer break and I think we'll probably do that again this year we'll have a summer break because mm-hmm. it's it's just really hard to just keep the amount of work we're doing going because mm-hmm. we've got full-time lives <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 so Rita how about you any did any anything to just stick out that just you're going man there I'm was um there was a young girl that I featured in this season um her name is Lorena Ramirez 
and she is an indigenous woman from a very, very small tribe in Mexico called the Rara Murray. And she is an ultra marathoner, but she did something crazy. She finished an ultra marathon with no water, no food, no tennis shoes, and not even any running clothes. She was wearing a traditional Rara Murray dress. And there's actually a 25-minute documentary on Netflix about her right now, if anybody mm. wants to check that out. So inspirational, because running has a, a, a soft spot in my heart. I was a runner. Amanda's a runner. I've done marathons. And it truly, for me, is is a, like a religious experience when you finish and you, you are on top of the world at that point. And seeing this young girl being able to push her endurance so far but not even using any of the materials that people use like no watch no nothing and I found that very inspirational mm -hmm. and very touching and that she was super humble too doesn't even like any of the attention doesn't want any sponsors like Nike sending her shoes and she's turning them away <laughs> which I mm -hmm. thought was very honorable. And what's the title of the doc that documentary? It's titled Lorena. Okay. Um, so as you're recommending that documentary, uh, are there any podcasts that you listen to uh, either are inspired by or just really super enjoy and don't ever miss? I love Criminal. Does anybody listen to the Criminal? I have listened to Criminal, yeah. Um, I love Criminal because it's obviously really well-researched, well-done, um, they only put out 24 episodes a year, um, and that's that's not very many. And so you can tell that they probably put a lot of time. And uh, and I love that they're vignettes. You know, they're only about 20 to 25 minutes long. They cover one specific story, and they're just really really cool. I I just listened to one about a man who was sent to prison for like being a thief. And uh, he ended up getting into, like, maximum security because he helped start a prison riot. And uh, in the course of the time, he had been told when he was a kid, like, you'll never amount to anything. You can't read. You're special ed, blah, blah, blah. And so he just never really learned how to read. And he was in prison, and he was bored, and he started reading. And he really started reading. And he just basically self-taught himself how to read. And then uh, he decided to buy from a catalog a Webst Miriam Webster's Collegiate Encyclopedia. And he read it cover to cover, but he kept finding all of these errors in it. <laughs> oh. And so he wrote to the editors and he was like, um, you know, just FYI, you have errors on this page and then you have an error on this page. And the guy who received it was like, instead of being mad or feeling like slighted by this guy was like, this is amazing. And they started a friendship and the Merriam Webster editor ended up getting him out of prison. <laughs> Jeez. Oh, <laughs> and I just was like, this is such a fascinating story that nobody would ever know about if it weren't for that show. So I love Criminal. I like the ones that do human interest stories and they're kind of shorter and love that. Well, the one that I've been listening to is one that Amanda actually recommended to me and it's more on a humor, uh, humorous level. It's Why Won't You Date Me? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Nicole Byer's going to be here. Nicole Byer, and she is coming to Spokane. Uh -huh. She's an amazing comedian and the premise of the show is uh, basically her taking a look at her life and she she invites her exes yeah. onto her podcasts and they discuss their relationship and why they didn't last. <laughs> why oh. it didn't work out. Why it didn't work out. And yeah. she actually, I, she puts herself out there. It's a very vulnerable place to be. I mean, I myself would not want to be in a room with any of my exes. <laughs> I don't think they'd want to see my face either. But it's definitely her taking a chance uh, of learning something about mm -hmm. herself and maybe 
mm-hmm. putting that, uh, changing something different in, in future relationships. And she's funny. She's really funny. I, I also listened to How Did This Get Made, which is about bad movies. And I went to see that live in Seattle uh, about a month ago or two months ago. And it was hilarious. Yeah. I highly <laughs> recommend if you ever get a chance to go to it live. I've heard Cats is the newest entry into uh, that. <laughs> I'm hoping so. I'm really hoping so. I've heard so. such bad things yeah. about it. I know. I'm, it's so bad. I want I have to see it. Like right. I'm going to have to see but it. But you don't, no. didn't get to see the original version. Did you hear that they pulled the original version out of the theaters because they weren't done with the CGI? Like um, Judy Dench's hands were just her normal hands and she had a wedding ring on. <laughs> oh, so they no. had to retract the movie and finish the CGI and no. send it back out. Yeah, there are screenshots no. online. Oh so, my God, I love that. So That's it's funny. it's going to be on there eventually. Uh, totally, eventually. <laughs> yeah. I so, don't even have to listen to the movie or go to the movies. I just need to listen to right. it and I'll get everything I need out of it. <laughs> so are you thinking that um, your podcast will change at all coming up in the future? I mean, is there anything that you think is going to be different either a different format or a different, you know, I see you both nodding, so I'll let, <laughs> yeah. you, I'll let you answer the question. We are uh, looking at doing some interviews this, oh. this year. Oh, awesome. um, we have some stuff sort of tentatively lined up. Uh, we do want to do some live shows. We're hoping to get those off the ground and running. Um, we're always open to changing things up. I do think that there are certain things that are always going to be the same, but um, we have really been wanting to branch out and talk about people who are not just like not just women um because it leaves out a lot of people uh that are i mean we would still want to highlight people who belong to marginalized identities and so we're looking at doing some non-binary people and some trans people and we feel like perhaps we're not the best people to tell those stories and so we will have some people on who maybe are a little more qualified to talk about those um, identities. Yeah, Rita. Any anything else that aligns with that, or? Oh, like Amanda said, those are some ideas that we're rolling around. Um, we definitely are going to try to start a store. So we're going to have like some stickers available, buttons, maybe some T-shirts, uh, so we can have some uh, walking advertising out there. Yeah. Oh, very cool. Now we never did really get to the end of that question that I asked after the break. So you you write it. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you record it? Oh, <laughs> a super, super, really sophisticated yeah, it's place. This really great studio called My Spare Bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, we record on a couple of uh, ATR mics. Yeah. And Amanda's in a chair, and I am on a futon. Yeah, mm. <laughs> yeah. Although we're 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 gonna be switching things up a little bit because we're gonna move around my house, and I'm ho- hopefully we're gonna make it a little more soundproof. And perhaps upgrade our microphones. <laughs> right. And how much yeah. editing does your final um, file require? Um, he puts in about three hours per episode. Wow! Mm. Wow! Man. Okay, that's a that yeah. yeah, very produced. Yeah, yeah. He really um, well. I, I always give him pr- like feedback. <laughs> you should have cut out this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and that's one thing we both yeah. do as well. Me and Amanda both listen to the finished product. If it needs any tweaking then we will say so. Yeah. Wow, I don't know how you do that. Yeah. I can't listen to myself at all. Really? <laughs> oh, I hate it. Musically how about the, fir- how about the first time you heard your voice? Uh, Maybe like for you, Rita, because <laughs> this was like brand new. It was brand new. It was different. I didn't know I was such a low talker. And then I didn't realize Amanda was too. <laughs> yeah, that, that is sometimes tricky for our editor. 
because we'll our voices can both be real low and then if we were laughing it gets it gets really so loud and so his job on balancing that is pretty difficult yeah and i've and i've i've definitely gone into episodes where i've been like today I'm going to be so smooth <laughs> and I'm going to talk smooth the entire time. And then, and then it ends up weird because then I'm like so self-conscious about how I sound that I'm not reacting to things like yeah. I should. It's not natural. Yep. So he's like, don't do that. I'll fix it. Just, <laughs> <laughs> Just be yourself. Just be Just ourselves. Be yeah. And yeah. we do laugh a lot. And we actually talk to our editor too. Like yeah. if we're in the middle of messing up, we'll say hi to him or, you know, yeah. what are you doing? Or I hope you're enjoying this right now. <laughs> In fact, he just sent me a separate file with that entire exchange. Oh, um, I can't say it on KRS, right. but now I we, wonder that would be kind of an interesting thing to have him compile a little outtake version, little blooper reel, to, to go along with your uh, merch that you're doing. You know, here's or to play. You know, here's our third year anniversary. I'm going to just play some of the outtakes that we had. It would be a lot of laughing. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. This last, uh, not this. Not this one that's coming out this week, mm. but I think like two weeks ago or something. Uh, Rita just could not say the word exhibition. Exhibition. Was I she saying say expedition? Yeah. No, I, I can't say it on step, air. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> it was more a little along the lines with the B word. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. I was, I could not but say it. it. Hilarious. Uh-huh. So we have an entire edited uh, reel of just her trying to say the word. Oh gosh, that's <laughs> it is awesome. si- sitting in my inbox right now, and I'm trying to decide what to do with it. Oh yeah, I think that'd be hilarious. So if somebody wants to find you, yep. I'm sure they can find you on all of the podcast uh, sites, and yeah. they look for. I don't know her. I don't know her. And then how about social media? Where would yep. they find you online? We're on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Um, we're really active on Instagram and Facebook. Twitter is kind of a no man's land for podcasts mm-hmm. really um but yeah and we also have a website it's idkher.com mm-hmm. and uh we're yeah and so we're also available on like every major platform except iHeartRadio because they take forever mm. <laughs> and what will they find on your uh website is that is that probably the the most um full site to find the stuff that you're doing or would you say instagram is probably the place um i would say facebook or instagram like our website is really at this point just a landing page it has our bios and our most recent episode up at all times Mm -hmm. and a link to where else you can listen to us if you're like oh i'm an android user i don't use apple podcasts well you can find us on google play or stitcher or wherever so on our listen page on idkher.com you can find everywhere that we're at right now um but also you could just Google it, and apparently it just shows up right in Google and hit play. Yeah. Um, and you also have a very talented uh, person that kind of did your, your graphic. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, yes. Rita needs to talk about her <laughs> social media. Yeah. Um, our logo was designed by my husband. Yeah. Uh, we approached him with a couple of ideas that we had, and he's an amazing graphic artist, and he came up with a perfect logo for us, which yeah. I think symbolizes mm-hmm. um, what yeah, we're about. I thought it was great, yeah. Yeah, we wanted the woman to be like, you couldn't really tell her race and you couldn't really tell who she was because you don't know her. Mm-hmm. Mm. There you go. Oh, that's a great idea. I believe it's time, Eric. It is. Thank you so much for coming in. I had a great time talking to you. So Thank interesting. Thank you for having us. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for Thanks having a us lot. On.